With spring in our sights, that means that the snow will be melting and gardens will be picking up soon. But what is the value of having a good compost pile when it comes to this? I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. Melanie Burns, Waste Management Specialist with the DNR out of Milwaukee, shares just that. She provides insight into some benefits of having a compost pile and how to even start one for those that are interested. I really believe the value is twofold. The first would be, you know, for backyard composting is that diversion in food and yard waste from our landfills. And that will ultimately reduce the greenhouse gas emissions. And the second is to create just a valuable soil conditioner for your lawn, your garden, or your crops. Compost is a soil-like material that's really rich in nutrients. Um, So it really may reduce the need to purchase any fertilizers or anything like that for your lawn or garden. What are the key benefits of having a compost pile? The overall benefit is to use that compost pile as a soil amendment because it improves the soil health, which in turn can lead to healthier plants. So overall, benefits are going to be saving money, reducing that need to be buying fertilizer, saving water because compost actually holds in that moisture in the soil. And again, that opportunity to divert food and yard waste from going into our landfills, which reduces the methane gases that are created. What types of composting are there? So there's really four main methods of composting. So the first one I'll touch on, it's an indoor composting method, and that's called vermicompost. And that's where uh, red wiggler worms are used to feed on food scraps, yard trimming, any kind of organic matter that may be used to feed those worms. So those worms really break down the material and then they create a really high quality compost from those castings. The second would be a aerated turned pile. We often see these large-scale municipal sites, and so really turning those piles every so often, getting the oxygen into them, and really helping that organic matter break down. Third composting method would be called static pile, and that's really a slower way to produce a compost product, but it's just really, instead of turning, you're really not turning it. Some have air in the bottom of the pile that's kind of pushed up into it. And then the fourth is an end vessel. These are often seen at farms. Sometimes they're concrete lined silos or drums, um, and they're really good for like manure and biosolids, things like that. You can really control the temperature much more in, in that type. And then there's hot versus cold composting methods, a cool composting method, which is actually something I personally do in my backyard. It takes about a year to create a good compost product at the end, but I really kind of layer those materials into my pile. I really don't manage it very much at all. And And as they say, like compost happens, it really just kind of slowly decomposes over time. Those microbes are working in there. I'm just not turning it and managing it like some would. And as opposed to like a hot compost method that really could produce product in a much faster rate. So, for example, you know, 12 weeks perhaps versus like a year. If you're really turning it, monitoring the moisture levels, really seeing how hot that pile is getting that can then in turn uh, get you that faster product. What are the steps to even start one? And then how do you take care of a compost pile once you do get it started? Is it the same as caring for a garden or is it different? So it's really easy to get started. Really, you can get started with some kitchen scraps from, you know, just like your dinner that night and some yard materials and you're on your way. 
there's different types of bins that you can use. Some people actually make their own out of chicken wire or, you know, reusing like wood pallets, for example. I mean, I personally bought mine at, you know, a local hardware store um, and it just kind of contains it, keep kind of just the vectors out. Um, I kind of wanted a a more closed in type bin, um, but it still does allow for that oxygen to get in. So yeah, you just want to make sure you're monitoring your feedstock. So again, that's putting in those greens and browns. And so the greens are what we refer to as just those materials that are high in nitrogen. So really thinking about your food scraps, grass clippings, coffee grounds, and the browns are materials that are high in carbon. So think about your leaves that are dry, wood chips, branches, hay. And so perhaps before starting, you might want to start even thinking about it prior to stockpiling some of those items just to have them around. And so your ratio should be around two to one browns to greens. And like I said, I kind of layer it almost like a little lasagna. The other thing that you might want to be mindful of is particle size. Like I said, if you're going to use cardboard, just kind of shredding it up, that really just enables that material to break down at a faster rate. So just if, you know, for example, like a watermelon rind, I just kind of like real loosely chop that up before throwing it in. Uh, The other thing you want to pay attention to is the moisture content. The microorganisms that are, are used to break down that organic material, they do need moisture to survive. So water is key to support this process, and um, sometimes rainfall is all that it needs. I'll open my lid if I know it's going to rain that night, get that, you know, natural rainfall in there. And sometimes I do need to add water if we've had some, you know, really hot days, and, and I can just tell that that pile needs a little bit of moisture. And then the other thing is oxygen flow. So turning that pile, um, like I said, I kind of do a a low management style with mine. So I might just turn it, you know, every um, month in the spring through, through fall. But that aeration really helps that decomposition process. And then temperature um, is the last thing to just kind of monitor, keep in mind. Microorganisms do need a certain temperature to break down those organic materials. And also the temperature is important to destroy pathogens and then weed seeds. But it's also just important not to get the pile too hot. If it's too hot, it actually does start to kill those those good bugs, as I like to call them, that are really doing the work for you to get that compost. So, you know, some folks do buy a temperature probe. It's certainly not necessary, but that is one way if, you know, you really want to get into a higher level of management of your backyard compost. Certainly, those are available for purchase. What items can be composted where others maybe shouldn't be? As far as how we kind of classify those uh, carbon-rich materials are going to be the brown materials. So the brush and the twigs, cardboard, newspaper, straw, hay, wood chips, all of those things are, are very high in carbon and can be composted easily. And then for the greens, we're looking at, you know, your coffee grounds and the use filters. Go ahead and throw those in there too. Eggshells, flowers, things like that from your garden, fruit, pores, rinds, grass clippings, uh, tea bags, things like that. So anything that you um, might be using in your kitchen that's, that's organic matter. And then for not, not so good composting, things you want to actually keep out of your bin, they are going to be those um, things that we really do not see breakdown, um, at least in a way that um, would contribute to a high-quality compost. So pet and human waste, meats, dairy, treated wood, um, fats, oils, and greases. 
um, cigarette or cigar ashes, anything like that. We just really want to keep that, that out of your bin. I would like to um, point out we have three publications on our website. Um, if you go to dnr.wi.gov and you search compost, um, there's three really great publications um, for people that are just getting started and perhaps also um, people that have been composting a while that might want to troubleshoot their pile if there's, you know, odors or it's just like too damp, it's not composting. Um, we have like some troubleshooting methods in some of those publications. That was Melanie Burns, Waste Management Specialist with the DNR. To learn more helpful tips, go to dnr.wisconsin.gov. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.